Wake up, lacrosse community. This is Matt Plitnick here with Bob Fahey and Jordan Hendry here for a little lacrosse talk. we got a couple things we want to throw out there. Hopefully can educate and entertain. And uh, we're looking to build this. We're looking uh, to start with a few things and hopefully get the community uh, energized and, and involved and engaged with it. Something that uh, can grow and hopefully uh, help the community uh, get their thoughts out and uh, ways that we can uh, improve the game we care so much about. Today's topic uh, we're going to start on is multi-sport athletes. I know there's been a lot of talk out there about uh, whether kids should be a 12-month-a-year uh, lacrosse player and do everything that they can to build that up, or uh, if they should break it up and look more towards uh, football, hockey, basketball. Uh, we have a couple All-American kids in Colorado that were actually tennis players. Uh, is that something that's good, or is that something that's kind of passed by? Uh, Bob uh, graduated 2016 from uh, UMass, grew up in uh, New Hampshire, and some, what's the name of that Silver Spoons boarding school? Uh, <laughs> Bishop Gurdon High School. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds, uh, it smells like money, sounds like money. Uh, Bob, what, did, uh, what did else did you play in high school or, or growing up? So growing up, I uh, played football my whole life, uh, one of my favorite sports along with lacrosse, and I was also a uh, big time skier, did some ski racing growing up as well. Skiing is, is always a tough one as a, as a coach out here in Colorado because you certainly can't outlaw high school kids from skiing because they're certainly going to do it. I try to talk to them about just being about as safe as possible and not doing those 720s at the end of the day when they're really <laughs> tired, and, and that's usually where you get those uh, injuries. But it seems inevitably every year someone gets a, uh, a knee injury or something like that. So uh, injuries aside, though, w would you say um, those other sports – how, how did they make you, or did they make you, a better lacrosse player? Well, one of the first things that um, you know you see these days is uh, you get kids burnt out of the sport if they're playing twelve year, twelve month a year lacrosse, or even if it's a football guy, big time recruit. They just get sim they simply just get burnt out. Those other sports can offer like a um, like a release from the other sport and a little break in the uh, fall, you know, played football. So then as soon as winter hit, it was lacrosse time from winter to spring into summer. And then you get to football in the fall, a little break from that um, lacrosse grind entire throughout the entire year. I, I think that's a real good point. I think mentally the, the grind of uh, one sport 12 months a year is, is pretty, pretty real. Um, what about on your body, though, going straight from football, straight to basketball, straight to lacrosse, with really uh, a very limited break? Is, how do you re uh, react to something like that? Um, you know, as athletes, that's what you kind of train for. And, um, you know, in the lower parts of the month, say, you know, July, August, your summer lacrosse is wrapping up before football. That's when you really got to get off your feet for a week or two, get prepared. Um, get your legs back under you, and then you hit football season, and then before lacrosse season, you do the same kind of thing where you might take a little break, a week off, you know, focus on school, do things like that. That way your body can uh, can really rejuvenate before that season starts up. One thing that I've seen from, from certainly football um, that has been beneficial to uh, lacrosse players that I've seen across the country is, is the weightlifting uh, aspect of it. Now, when you were uh, in high school, you're, you're certainly not that far out of high school. I'm sure for football you lifted. Did you have a lacrosse-specific weightlifting plan that you followed in high school? Of course you did in, in college. Yeah, so not necessarily. That's where football came into, into uh, play. You know, um, athletes these days are getting bigger, faster, stronger every year. Um, and so really my training was more focused towards football getting bigger, 
Um, leading up the couple months leading up to lacrosse season, I would train specific for lacrosse, um, but more out on the uh, field doing agilities, footwork, stuff like that, instead of trying to get bigger and stronger for lacrosse. Outside of the, the mental aspect and, and being able to take a break from a sport, be it from a break from football or a, a break from lacrosse, uh, how would you say football made you a better lacrosse player and vice versa? I mean, football is one of the ultimate team sports. You know, you need all 11 guys on offense, defense, special teams to perform. It really helped my leadership abilities, um, being a team player, um, things like that. I think that is an underrated aspect of it. Uh, people talk about the physical aspects of being quicker or uh, cutting and agility, which I think is definitely a part of it. But I know uh, coaching at Columbine, uh, when I get the football kids in there, they're very disciplined. Uh, they've got great leadership characteristics, and uh, the comp they're more competitive than 12-month-a-year than lacrosse kids, which is huge. You can't tell a kid to be more competitive. They need to be doing other things where they're put in that environment and put in that scenario and I think that's a part that's really kind of overlooked if you're just doing um, 60 days 75 days of a high school lacrosse season and then everything else is kind of you know not wreck of course but for for fun and you're not really keeping score and it doesn't matter in the off season if you win or lose um, but when you're doing that in football it really kind of builds that uh, temperament of you know this is all counts and I'm on all the time but are they your goal scores uh, primarily, no, actually. They're more of the uh, defensive kids we have at Combine. A lot of the football kids are defensive kids, and they're the kind of kids that get offended when they uh, let up easy goals or let up cheap goals or they walk out of a game where they've given up nine or ten goals. We try to keep them at seven or below, and, and if they miss that goal, they kind of feel it on the way back to the car, where I think some of the 12-month-a-year uh, uh, lacrosse kids are a little too quick to shake it off. Absolutely. And uh, one of the big things about playing multiple other sports, sports, you know, football, like you said, you bring that uh, discipline and whatnot. But say uh, you get a baseball kid or something who played baseball his whole life. Now he, he's playing lacrosse. He's a great lacrosse player. You know, maybe he has more patience on the offensive end. He understands how to, you know, be a little more relaxed and composed. Uh, say if he was a pitcher in baseball, he has good composure and stuff that he can bring to that lacrosse field. And that's where other sports can They each have their different um, aspects that they bring to the lacrosse field where you mash that all together and you get a great product out on the field. How about the hockey players? Hockey players are, are definitely a big uh, uh, part of it. It's uh, it's a little tougher doing the winter sports in, in that they actually overlap. I mean, God forbid you have a good basketball team or hockey team, you're going to run into the first couple uh, couple weeks of lacrosse season. But uh, I don't know about for you, Jordan, when – since you didn't grow up around here down in uh, South Africa. If you could tell us how your uh, cricket and uh, some of your other hunting skills uh, translated Rugby. over into uh, <laughs> lacrosse. Oh, and tracking white rhinos versus black rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I learned how to ice skate in South Africa, surprisingly. So uh, energy exists uh, over there, and um, uh, I definitely think hockey played a played a good role into it. I was a defenseman in uh, ice hockey, and uh, a lot of those same uh, uh, characteristics. I think you know, finishing your check uh, came over. Well, so you think uh, figure skating helped in your footwork to become a defensive player? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I think I was listening to you too. <laughs> <laughs> that could, could definitely do it, but I, I think that is a real part of, uh, of being a well-rounded uh, athlete overall. But uh, for some of the kids, that's not really possible. I, I talked to some kids that are 
uh, that play football, let's say, and maybe they're just not quite as big and they're better suited for lacrosse, is there a benefit of being a second or third string second sport athlete as opposed to putting in more time into lacrosse and uh, developing that skill and making yourself a better lacrosse player when you know really that will be your focus? That's a question I get a lot from parents. I think there has to be those types of guys who are your edge cases that are just straight up lacrosse fanatics, like you find them, right? And, you know, you get that guy into box lacrosse instead of, let's say, potentially basketball. And as long as he's the type of guy that has the fire that allows them to play year round and still care, you know, ultra competitive, still gets pissed off, you know, in, in, in the fall ball games where they don't where they don't play well. I mean, I think the college coaches do notice those types of guys and accept the fact that there's not going to be a silver bullet. You're going to have your guys that are the multi-sport athletes. Maybe those are your more defensive type of guys. But then you have uh, uh, these guys who do take it year-round and really excel because of it. You know, Bob, I get a question from parents as well. They Maybe they like basketball and they want to play basketball, but they play for – um, an undisciplined program, uh, not a successful program. And through that, they get into some bad habits, some lazy habits. Uh, is it worth kind of sticking it out in that kind of program, or would you be better just doing a winter box league? Or what are your thoughts on that? So, yeah, like Jordan just said, you're always going to have those edge cases, and I think it all depends on really the type of athlete that you are. You know, for myself, I couldn't do lacrosse year-round, and I knew that. My, uh, my parents knew that. My lacrosse coach knew that. So they highly encouraged other sports. So it really depends on, you know, the type of personality you are, the type of kid you are. You know, if you want to hang out all summer, right, play lacrosse, that's great. Now, if you want to play football in the fall, you do that. If you can't, right, if you don't want to do football, bad program, bad habits, bad discipline, you know, yeah, let's enter a box lacrosse league, you know. Maybe take the fall off and just train, you know, do hit the weight room, you know, put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle when you uh, reach that freshman, sophomore age in high school, you know, ready to – really hit the weight room and uh, do some really good conditioning getting ready for that um, spring lacrosse season. I, I think that's a great point, and, and I know we started doing it at Columbine uh, in the last year and a half, is getting into, um, for lack of a better term, you know, the CrossFit studios to where you can do some of that cross training to where you're not just in the weight room, you know, throwing up a bench and bench squat press, yeah. and that's it. Um, <laughs> getting into the CrossFit studios where you're doing a lot of other muscle groups that you're not working through football, you're not really working as much through lacrosse, and again, focusing on being more of a, a well-rounded athlete, I think. Dynamic. Um, for, for the young kids, the kids that are still in high school, they're certainly their bodies are still growing. They're, they're, they're trying to catch up to their bodies in many cases and try in their coordination. And, and I think it's kind of an advantage that we have, uh, and it's helped us kind of be successful. But I think you're going to start to see a lot more of that in terms of not just doing box lacrosse three days a week in the winter, but taking one of those days and going to, into something like that. I don't know if, uh, if Jordan, if, uh, when you were at DU or, or UMass, if you had any uh, kind of cross-training that you guys did outside of uh, uh, the weight room and, you know, just running. With the regards to the University of Denver, it took me half a year to get onto the team, right, petitioning the NCAA. Uh, and so uh, at that point, it was a lot of trail running and uh, a lot of academics. 
<laughs> so um, I, I, I do feel that when I entered into there, I, I definitely was uh, fresh, but I think I had that feeling as well because it was a fresh team, right? Like uh, a new team for me, right? I definitely had something to, uh, to prove there. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of advantage we have here in, in Colorado is uh, uh, the outdoors and whether you're uh, mountain biking, certainly as we mentioned, skiing. There's a lot of different ways that you could, uh, you know, I was doing some snowboarding, that's for sure. <laughs> I, I believe it. I'm sure uh, Coach Tierney was happy to hear that. Um, one of the other uh, nice things to do, I see um, really not any lacrosse high school teams. We're the only ones out there is Red Rocks. We'll get a couple uh, trainers out there getting up to Red Rocks and uh, running the stairs, jumping the planter boxes, and doing a whole bunch of uh, different exercises out there. That I'll be honest, I get exhausted just watching these kids do it. And the loop around there is actually a 5K. If you just run from the parking lot through the roads back up to the uh, up up to the uh, stadium to the concert area. Uh, for those who don't know, Red Rocks is a world class natural amphitheater uh, in which uh, you can run these stairs at about uh, 6,500 feet above sea level. And man, it's fantastic. Well, I know you work out at Red Rocks, but that's usually with the glow sticks and uh, some <laughs> kind of rave show or something like that. So I don't, I don't know if I'm recommending uh, 15 and 16 year old kids to do that kind of workout. But certainly on a Sunday morning when the sun's coming up, it's uh, I don't know. I find it tough enough getting to the uh, the top of that. What about at UMass? What did you guys uh, do when you graduated, Bob? So we actually did a uh, few different things. So after fall ball ended, which was six weeks uh, through September and halfway through October, we went into our winter conditioning where we our hour with coaches was very limited so what we would do is we would work out uh wednesday and friday mornings at 6 a.m right just to get it out of the way we would do uh runs and like agilities and things like that play a little bit of lacrosse um so in the afternoons right we had all afternoon and that was usually our normal practice time in fall ball in the season so we had a two two and a half hour block where no one had classes and our coaches would encourage us to uh play basketball up in the gym um, we had racquetball courts where a lot of the guys like to play racquetball not me per se but, uh, yeah, another cool thing was that our assistant coaches would actually play basketball with us in the afternoon, and they highly encouraged it. They were the ones getting after as many guys as they could just to get up on the courts, sweat for two hours, get it going again in the afternoon, loosen those legs up, and, uh, you know, be ready to go for Thursday. Now, have you had any experience, or I'm sure you've had friends that have uh, had this happen. Uh, I know a lot of colleges, I don't know if it's a new trend, I've been hearing about it the last couple of years, have had like Navy SEAL guys come in and do workouts, and Green Beret guys do these, and they, kind of colleges in January are having these Hell Week kind of uh, uh, things that kids, I know they're, uh, I see a bunch of college kids over Christmas break, they're like, man, when we get back, it is not going to be good. And I mean, just like the Navy SEALs, they, I know Colgate did this, they, uh, you know, they throw them into the, uh, the diving pool with their sweats on, and then they got to take them off and hold them over their head. And Absolutely. I don't know what that has to do with lacrosse and everything, <laughs> but man, it sounds crushing. I don't know if you know any of those stories. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of that aspect is also team building and team bonding. You know, they, they bring a guy in like that. We had a guy come in, uh, his name was Keith, forget his last name right now, Keith. He would come in, he was a good team bonding guy, right? We'd talk in the film room for half an hour about what was going on with our team, and then we'd go up for a workout for an hour, and he would put us through this really team-building workout where you worked with your teammates hand-in-hand -hand getting through these workouts together. Also, our, uh, our weightlifting coach and conditioning coach, you know, when we'd have a practice, say, at 6 a.m. Wednesday morning, we would also do a workout in the afternoon. You know, that way you get your mind off lacrosse. You're not you're in sneakers, you're not in cleats, you don't have your pads on or anything like that. It's just a strictly workout, 
get off the field mentality, give guys maybe a little mental break from that and focus on uh, some of the team aspects of weightlifting and getting in shape and stuff together. Jordan, what would you guys do at uh, DU a little different? I don't know if there were any rafting trips or any kind of wilderness things that Tierney would do or Matt Brown. Uh, what, what would you guys do to, I think it's a great point, uh, certainly change up the workouts, but also on a team-building aspect? While I didn't get to experience their fall or winter camps, as uh, noted earlier, joining the team uh, after their first two games of the season, I will say that we had the, uh, uh, I and we had the, distinct pleasure of getting to have uh, uh, Trevor Tierney on on the bench or on the staff and he would take us through uh, yoga <laughs> and uh, uh, Trevor's a, uh, a fantastic mind and uh, he definitely brought the team uh, uh, together and out of its usual paces with uh, these types of uh, uh, loosening exercises and mental mental exercises for sure. I've heard about a couple teams doing that. Uh, so you would do yoga once or twice a week in season or in the mornings, before practice, after practice. What was the schedule with that? Definitely in season. It, it varied, it, you know, uh, usually in the mornings. Uh, and uh, it, uh, it was nice. It was kind of like before practice. Uh, we would get in there and uh, loosen up. And it was kind of in the process of maintaining uh, the athlete health right? Uh, both uh, getting them uh, uh, in the correct zone mentally and, um, you know, keeping them uh, loose while not uh, burning them into the ground. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I've thought about doing something like that for uh, for the high school kids. Uh, I, I think it really does offer a lot. And you guys did that with the girls' soccer team at DU? Is that what? Uh... Yeah, I think you have to bring a, a certain level of maturity uh, <laughs> into it. <laughs> well, we're striking out on that one, but uh, I, I think that would be a great exercise to, uh, as you said, help with the uh, the body as well as the mind, which I think is uh, uh, an important aspect to it. Um, as we talk about multi-sport athletes and, and keeping them fresh and, and all that, for, for a lot of the kids, it's with the ultimate goal of, of playing in college and, and getting recruited. And I coach the, the Under Armour All-American game, and people always like to say, you know, look at that. 90% of these kids are multi-sport athletes, which is true, but they're certainly the top cream of the crop of, of, uh, of high school lacrosse. So it's not surprising that they're the starting quarterbacks, the point guards, the, the what have you. Um, people talk about, you know, as we mentioned before, the 12-month-a-year lacrosse rat versus the multi-sport athletes. And we hear all the time coaches – want to see multi-sport athletes. Um, wh why is that, Bob? Why does a coach want to see a multi-sport athlete over a 12-month-a-year uh, kid? You know, yeah, I, in my opinion, it shows uh, a lot of maturity, being able to handle multiple different sports throughout his, throughout his life, you know, throughout his or her life. Uh, maturity level is probably going to be a little bit higher from dealing with different teams. Um, the ability to adjust on the fly and be an actual athlete will be higher because he's not stuck to the same program for 12 months, right? He's changing constantly from, from sport to sports to sport to sport to sport, which definitely helps as you get recruited. Um, coaches look for that um, diversification and that different knowledge of athletics and things like that. I just don't see that guy having the innate stick skills that someone who is going to be that person slinging the ball the entire 12 months of the year uh, as having. You know, your attackman uh, who is going to be 
that guy that you know ultimately wins you the games because he's pumping that ball into the back of the net. I mean, do you often find that he is uh, the football running back? I know at Cherry Creek they have a lot of uh, defensive backs that uh, work real well on the uh, uh, lacrosse team. So I think if you get on the defensive side, you can certainly get that kind of crossover and transition. I seem to find that your your goal scorers, your your stick heavy players, um, usually are more twelve month a year kind of kids. And uh, it you know way back in the day it was more your point guards and your quarterbacks. But now if you're a quarterback now you're almost a 12-month-a-year quarterback, and it's hard for you to be uh, on another sport and really uh, expect to compete for a varsity spot in a high-level program out there anymore. Um, I don't know if, Bob, you feel the same way or have uh, any thoughts on, on that. It's um, it, it's kind of a little disappointing because it was great. You know, you grow up, you'd play uh, play basketball for four hours, you know, go, uh, you know, hit a baseball for a couple hours and play some lacrosse. But now it seems you really need to be kind of a little bit more dialed in. But if you are an elite athlete, you can still play multi multi sports. I think they're basketball players for sure. And I think they're guys who enjoy playing basketball because of the creativity that is transferring over into lacrosse on the offensive side, right? Making a guy miss, getting that first step, uh, you know, getting, getting your rolls on and your vision, you know, your head up, being able to, you know, assess the defense and, and whatnot. Definitely, I, I see a lot of basketball in that, but I don't see them being the competitive, the uber competitive uh, uh, basketball players. I see them being the guys who are, you know, slinky and slick and, and, and quick. And these are the guys that, you know, are, are amazing left-handed finishers, right? Like Jimmy Connolly from, from, from UMass, that could good ball out, but by no means was he a ball player. Hey, um, I think it's time for a uh, sponsor read. Uh, so we'd like to thank our first yeah, sponsor. Yeah, score break. I, uh, as a coach, I often get questions about what we can do to get the game film into our players' hands quicker. And this is a way that you can do that. It gives instant game film breakdown. It allows you to, at halftime, take a look at, at game film and different stats that can help you in the second half, which is absolutely huge. Immediately following the game, on the bus ride home, you can uh, look at it and go over different things and scenarios that uh, that you can improve upon. I uh, I've used other sites in the past where the turnaround is three, four days, and by then you're already on to the next game. This is a way where you can really correct mistakes, address issues with the uh, the game plan, and and with the team performance right away. And that's definitely one of the reasons why uh, why I love using Scorebreak. But definitely go to the site and check it out, Scorebreak.io, to find out more about it. And uh, Scorebreak.io, what the hell is that? Um, I've just never been to a .io site. Um, don't go to scorebreak.com. <laughs> um, no. Thanks to Scorebreak, and definitely check it out and improve your performance. Lead us off. Uh, we are back with Laxarama, or whatever we're calling this thing here. Um, Matt Flitnick with you here with Bob Fahey and Jordan Hendry. Hello. Um, talking about uh, recruiting and, and what coaches want to see. They certainly seem to want multi-sport athletes when possible, but um, certainly seen enough coaches uh, go after the 12-month-a-year the uh, lacrosse player. One of the big hot buttons in high school, college uh recruiting right now is the the early recruiting process and it's something that is just 
been getting earlier and earlier. And I don't know, it's going down to practically sixth graders getting uh, offers from uh, Hopkins and UVA. They seem to be the uh, the biggest culprits of early recruiting. Um, it, it, it's insane. And now the uh, uh, there's a proposal before the NCAA that there will be no contact uh, before September 1st of their junior year, which I think is uh, impressive. But it's become such a cat-and-mouse game now where – uh, the kids can call the coaches. The coaches can't call the kids. If they see them at a tournament, uh, can they talk to them? They can just say hi. Um, I mean, Bob, when, when you got recruited, what was what was your experience in terms of um, contacting coaches, narrowing schools? Did they talk to you first? Uh, what was your experience? So, yeah, back when I was being recruited back in 2010, I believe, I was a sophomore in high school. And... Um, like you just mentioned, the rule really was that I could contact them and they couldn't contact me, but we could talk, blah, blah, blah. But there was always ways around it. They would talk to my high school coach and he would tell me to call them when I was only a sophomore, things like that. And uh, Or they would just call my high school coach and be like, hey, we're interested, tell them to keep us in mind, blah, blah, blah. So then you created a list and whatnot, but really the day was September 1st was when you got like 20, 25 emails rolled into your inbox, which is a pretty cool experience. And from there, that's when you kind of went and made your decision. But, you know, I was a little different where I decided to take my time and I let when I narrowed my schools down to, say, 10, that I, I let them know that I kind of wanted to take my time because some of these coaches really want to just fill their fill their classes up, which is kind of kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. You know, they don't give the guys much time to really, really think out the whole process and what they actually want. I mean, you have to think I was, what, 17 years old then? I mean, I still don't know what I want to do. And uh, they're kind of telling you to, what, well, what do you want to major in? What do you want to do with your life? It's like, I have no idea. So I took my time, and I think I committed to uh, UMass Halloween weekend of my junior year. So like Oct- uh, October 31st of my junior year. Now, you would certainly be categorized as a late bloomer, <laughs> uh, you know, really narrowing your, your school down to Absolutely. second half of junior year. Um what, what, what are the issues with kids that you, you see these freshmen that are committing to big-time schools? Um, they haven't even gotten their, their first-half grades of freshman year yet, and there are kids committing to Ivy League schools or the admission process at those schools. Yep. I mean, how does that make any sense? I mean, to me, it's tough to explain because, like I said, I mean, I decided to take my time. And uh, my parents, I was fortunate enough for my parents to support me in that decision. My high school coach supported me. All the coaches that I really wanted were uh, really interested in going to their schools were pretty supportive of that, especially uh, Greg Cannell at UMass, which was awesome. He really let me take my time. Uh, UMass was always one of my top schools, so he was like, yeah, go go try out other schools, you know. Make sure you want to come to our school. And I think that's one of the things um, when people commit, when they're freshmen, sophomores, is do they really know what they're getting into? Do they really understand what kind of life decision they're making here? And in my opinion, you know, most of the time they probably don't, um, which definitely causes some problems. Yeah, it, it does seem that some of these commitment decisions are more about the helicopter lacrosse parents than the the actual kid, because I, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way they yeah, could possibly absolutely. know, you know, majors. It seems like most kids don't even know where these schools are, let alone majors and everything it's, else. It's the natural progression, uh, and um, I think it is, uh, it is pretty good for the sport in the fact that you will have, as we mentioned, these late bloomers and these dark horses who will get picked up and uh, increase the priority of, uh, of, of the sport. 
So would you be in favor of the proposal or just kind of let the marketplace decide? I think let the marketplace decide. I don't think that... Uh, it needs too to be litig- legislated. Right, because when you see that player that is hands down better than the rest, you can see that he's coming from a lacrosse family background, or at least that he understands the sport. I don't see any reason why a uh, school can't express interest in that blue chip, right? And he's going to want to go to the top anyway, uh, so it's it's going to be happening anyway, right? Yeah, lacrosse doesn't have, like, I think LeBron James's kids in third or fourth grade and he's already got offers from Kentucky Duke and everything else I don't know if we have those but uh, I guess the uh, the Stanwick family might be the, the closest thing we have in terms of pedigree in that area uh, Bob what do you think are you in favor of, of the proposed legislation or you think uh, the marketplace should uh, filter it out you know I think I'm I'm pretty much in the middle you know I don't think there should be this set deadline where there's zero contact till September 1st because like I mean like Jordan said there, I agree with him. You're that much better at that at that time. You know, why not let this kid, you know, get shopped around a little bit and uh, whatnot. But I do think that, you know, an eighth grader just committed to Penn State this year. You know, congratulations to him. That's fantastic. You know, he's going to play D1. Good for him. But at the same time, you know, what other, cons- what other um, consequences does that create for other athletes in the sport? And in high school in general, you know, you have then his buddies are probably like, oh, my God. My best friend just committed to D1. I got to get my uh, act together and get going. I need to do more, more, more as a freshman instead of enjoying kind of what high school is all about, you know, meeting new friends, stuff like that. And it puts a lot of pressure on these other kids to do that same exact thing. There's always club. Yeah. (laughs) I know uh, Joey Soren actually um, was at Penn, who's committed to Penn State from Regis, going to be a senior this year, was actually at Penn State in January when that eighth grade kid was there. Said he's the biggest eighth grader he's ever seen in his life. So hopefully it works out. But why is lacrosse so different than basketball and football? I mean, football, they wait till after their senior year. Um, Under Armour has that big game on, on New Year's Day, and they all announce their intentions. And, and the big signing day in, in early February is is – kids with four hats and they pick up one why is lacrosse getting commits after their freshman year primarily certainly before in some areas but it seems like out of the the blue chip college programs they've got 75 percent of their uh class already done by sophomore year where in football it's uh football and basketball it's it's done till after their senior year why why do you think that is such a disparity because those are regulated meat markets they it's in their interest to wait as long as possible to see which guys have developed the furthest and I think in lacrosse it's something special where if you do have an eye on or a bead on this guy uh you know uh uh, and if the player is in your backyard you can start recruiting him nice and early you can start swaying that decision in, in in your favor well, they they do that in football and basketball. Certainly, they get them on campus and get them a car. But they uh, well, <laughs> we'll leave SEC football is not exactly Big Ten lacrosse for sure. Um, but 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 they don't, you know, have that strong commit where lacrosse. It seems, you know. Greg Canella at UMass, a little aside, where I know for a fact uh, college coaches will say to these kids, and it uh, it happened to say I was kid at Duke, that if you don't commit right now, um, we're moving on. And these kids really do kind of get pressured into, you know, between getting some of the scholarship money or getting their guaranteed spot. They are pressured, you know, sophomore year. It's 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 
kind of hard to strong arm a, a 14, 15 year old kid. It's business. It is business. It, it, it definitely is. But I think it's, uh, in my opinion, it's hurting our, our game and it's, um, it, it's hurting the college product. And I think you see that with the parity in, in college right now. I've been uh, coaching a lot of summer and all-star teams. And I'll tell you, um, over half the kids that I see that commit freshman year get marginally better by senior year. They don't take the steps necessary to make themselves a better player. There's a couple kids in Colorado that are going to be seniors this year that are D1 commits that didn't do much this summer. Let's talk about these honoring the commitment, though. By no means is by you saying that you're going to go somewhere tangible uh, to, to, to the outcome, right? Uh, these players, if, if, if they truly are the blue chip, uh, again, recruited by the Maryland or again, recruited by the North Carolina uh, staff, uh, these guys uh, are going to be put into a system in which uh, they understand that uh, they're going to be expected to continue their, their progression. If they're not, there's, there's no reason that there's no guaranteed money. Well, that's true. I think that's a big part of it as well is, uh, and it's more kids out west from from the Mississippi to uh, to California where that kids will you know commit freshman year, sophomore year, they'll spend one year at the school and then they'll be back home at CU, CSU, UC, whatever, and uh, it's not in the kids' best interest and it's not in the school's best interest uh, to get these early recruits. They don't know what they're getting into. They're not working hard enough, and they get there um, overwhelmed and underprepared. I think North Carolina this year is absolutely happy with their early commits. I think it worked out just fine for them. They've been knocking on uh, on on terrible seasons for 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 – the past two years, uh, past twenty years, <laughs> and uh, and uh, and finally, uh, uh, it, it started to come together. And uh, I don't think it's uh, we could we could absolutely if they didn't win the ship or they didn't do that well this year, we we, we would be harping on North Carolina as as the uh, as the team that gets all the you know early recruits and it doesn't pan out, but ev- evidently it does as well. Well, since nineteen ninety four. That's a long time of early recruits. If you go right down the road, there's a guy uh, at UVA, Charlottesville, that uh, might be rethinking the early recruit process. What do you think, Bob? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's the game of lacrosse as it is right now. And that's the thing with recruiting is you never really do know, especially with these early recruits. You know, their bodies change. These guys are freshmen in high school. You know, some guys might be bigger than others, but these guys change. Which then leads into, um, you know, one of the pros that I believe in um, from early recruiting is that you also get your late bloomers. These guys that fly under the radar that aren't big or strong or good at lacrosse freshman, sophomore year, but they try really hard. They work really hard over the next two or three years. All of a sudden, all these recruiting classes at these great schools are all filled up. They can't nab this guy. That's where our parody in lacrosse comes into hand, right? One of my good friends at... um, at UMass, actually uh, went to the same high school as me as well, was a uh, big-time football player, thought he was playing football, decided to uh, play a summer of club lacrosse going into his senior year, right? So most of these classes in college in Division One, great athlete, were already filled up, right? Didn't have a spot for him. Greg Cannell at UMass goes, come on board, man. Come on board. You're a great athlete. We're going to fine-tune you. This kid ends up starting for three and a half years on close defense with, uh, with myself 
and was a phenomenal player. So parity is good for the sport, and thus early recruiting is good for the sport. Definitely, but I don't think it's as prominent. You know, you only get a few of these late bloomers compared to these early commits that don't necessarily pan out all of the time. But yet these schools that are taking part in the early commits are doing just fine. What about Starja at UVA, which we uh, started this conversation with? I think you look at Brown, uh, they get typically the late bloomers. They're not getting the blue chip kids. And I think you could see from their tournament run this year, they had a bunch of tough, hard-nosed kids that had a chip on their shoulder that played that way. Uh, When I watched UVA play, um, they looked uh, the the exact opposite. Uh, I could certainly say other things. That's exactly the argument that we could be making against North Carolina in previous years. Sure. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. North Carolina under uh, Haas and uh, um, the other coach, I think, you know, they had a bunch of uh, no offense over there, Bob, some some silver spoons, private school kids that uh, <laughs> that were not the toughest kids out there. And, uh, you know, I think he was recruiting tax returns more than uh, than uh, toughness. And I think it hurt North Carolina. Brescia got in there. He's uh, a little bit more more public school and, and certainly brought in some tougher kids. I know Brescia has a couple uh uh, 2018s from Texas that are uh, going to bring some toughness to the team that are going to UNC. I know they get Justin Anderson back from his Mormon mission uh, um, from Nevada. He's going to bring um, a kid with a high motor, which is probably one of the more overused uh, terms in sports. But I think he's bringing in a different type of kid than North Carolina uh, used to have, and they, they do have that chip on the shoulder for sure. Early recruits? Um not by today's standards. By a couple of years ago, absolutely. Um, but uh, but you know, not they didn't commit till they they were really late bloomers. I mean, after their sophomore year, oh my god. Would you take Gary Gates' son if he had a son at seven in in, in seventh grade? Right, like the LeBron James kind of yeah, thing. absolutely. I mean, uh, that concept. Uh, that that's kind of a, a Mikey no, Powell's no kid brainer. of the future. You're gonna take him if you can. Um. Yeah, I, I I think there you could you know like like with football when some of these uh, these big offensive linemen and defensive tackles they've got four SEC teams all over them uh, and and they're you know texting them and everything else and keeping in touch and everything I just don't know why we got to drill down um, to that early recruit why can't you let them take their time you know figure out between fourteen and seventeen what you might want to study what part of the country you might want to live in um, and there's no way a fourteen year old can make that decision wanted to take a moment to give thanks to our sponsor Xaro Sports if you're out there looking to get better uh, improve your lacrosse game Xaro Sports is really the way to do it. It's a way of having remote coaching to work on the fundamentals to get better, to get recruited, to get recognized, to make your spring uh, much more productive. It's it's a great way to keep your workouts from getting stale and challenge yourself with different interactive drills and weekly practice plans. Uh, at only 33 bucks a month, you can get a year-long subscription and take your game to the next level. Often as a coach, I get asked, what could my kid be doing to develop his game? And and this is a great platform to get some remote coaching. It's real simple. You upload your video. You'll get a weekly practice plan. You'll get uh, drills to do. Uh, It really gives you a process to improve. It's very interactive. It's off of your iPad. Definitely go to the website, Xaro Sports, E-X-A-R-O, sports.com, and check it out. 